I'm Katie Atwell, co-host of the Edugals podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Eric Beans. Eric is the current CEO of Happy. Oh, it is such a cool AI-driven software. It is so awesome. You're going to love this discussion. We get into AI. We talk about being an entrepreneur. We talk about all kinds of cool stuff. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. No, no, by the way, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmoletto.com slash reviews and uh, left me a review. Could you do that? That would be so cool. Thanks so much. You are awesome and enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up the tin and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Eric Beans is the former CEO of Texting Base and current CEO of Happy. Uh, Eric has been in tech since 1996 and an entrepreneur since 2005. Outside of business, Eric is an author, a music producer, an inventor with multiple patents, and a proud husband and father. Eric, thanks so much for talking with me today. Say hi to everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the invite, and I look forward to having a good discussion with you. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Glad to, glad that you're here. And uh, let's start with your interest in technology. I mean, where'd that come from? Because that's part of your world. So what what made you go say, I got to do this? Well, I'm, I'm an old guy for tech, so I'm 49. And in my age bracket, it went two ways. There were people that either held on to the old way of doing things, the rotary phone era, and then got to see all the tech come into play. And I jumped on it. Um, I liked the fact that tech will allow you to actually fix problems that human beings, you know, may lose their attention on. And if you develop the actual technology properly, it'll work while you sleep. So I I love the efficiency of it. And uh, a lot of the different use cases of the way it can solve problems and just overall save people time if it's done right. And, And if it's done really, really well, actually let you have fun doing it too like a kid playing with a with a with a toy or a video game it'll give you that uh that little boost that uh makes you happy that's cool that's very cool that's you know i always uh because i look at stuff i'm uh um so you told me your age i'm 59 and uh it's funny i grew up in florida in the daytona beach area um up through uh just that coast the atlantic coast so i grew up in an age when you know they'd They'd pull the TVs out and set us up and, and take a look when the Apollo went up in the air and uh, went up into space and and then the space shuttle and uh, all that, uh, the good and bad of that. I was in college when the when the, um, the Challenger had its mishap. And uh, they, uh, um, but all the stuff that's centered around that. So just fascinating about, uh, you know, what, what technology could do, especially because, you know, somewhere in the late 70s, I got this little thing called a uh, TI-30 or TI-35. The calculator, right? (laughs) Yes. I know it well. I remember it. Yeah. I I mean, the space shuttle thing too, you know, in class, they used to, for for people that are out there, they used to wheel in the TV, the big, massive TV that was like a a tubed screen. And you always knew it was going to be a good day when they pulled in that wheeling screen you were like all right we're gonna watch something and that that day was the space shuttle so it was not 
uh, the day. It was not the excitement we were looking for that day. But <laughs> overall, I remember the calculator, and that was a huge deal. Like even the calculator watch, the TI, all that stuff, as soon as it came out, you know, the teachers are like, great. The kids are never going to learn math ever again. The calculators are going to do all their work for for them. And they were banned from being in the classrooms because they were afraid that they that you'd use them during test time. Um, but you still had to know the formulas. You still had to actually be able to to uh, to to do the formulas and show your work, or else you would be you know uh, deducted. Now they have I don't know if you've played with it, but now they have some new formula um, software where you, it will actually do all the work for you and show you all the steps too. So they filled that gap in for you as well. So, uh, you know, I don't know if math's going to be a lost art, but I hope not because that's really what all life is about is understanding math and math principles. Um, but yeah, the TI, it didn't ruin math after all. People kept doing formulas after that, but that was a big deal. That was a huge deal back in the day. Oh, it sure was, man. It was one of those things I'll never forget because uh, I had uh, some of my uh, teachers said things like, because uh, some of them, they're constantly focused on you using the calculator, learning how to use it. And then I had others who were afraid of it. And they'd say things like, you know, you know, when you get into the work world, you're not going to have a calculator with you wherever you go. So you're going to have to know. <laughs> and yeah. the irony is that I, I have one wherever I go now if I need it. But uh, that little TI-35, would uh, it took a beating and kept on ticking, man, to steal from Timex. We had, uh, and for those of you who don't know what Timex is, I'm, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that, that's a watch that uh, used to have that as a saying. But uh, that, I, yeah. that little device just uh, was amazing what it could do because some people had paid a little more money and got another device that actually you could put little cards in it that changed the program in it and things like that. And uh, Remember, it used to graph. Yes. So you, so you would actually lay out the graphs for you and you'd be like, oh, my God, it was the most amazing thing when that happened. And, you know, we were able that's the beauty about our age is we were able to come up where there was no tech, pretty much no tech. Yes. You'd have to go out in the backyard and make your own fun and build your own stuff to the first time that they had uh, TV where they had the first MTV music video and the Pac-Man came out. Pong came out. That was a big deal. And now we're, we're looking at a world of 3D immersion um, and, you know, you're, you've got your VR and, you know, you could just put on goggles and go over to Paris and, and be on the streets of Paris or go watch a comedian with goggles on. And it's a whole different world. And it's just crazy how quick that's happened, because overall, it's, you know, over a period of from the 80s when when all this stuff sort of started to hit to now, that's a, you know, really a 40 year period where we've gone from zero to a hundred in terms of tech and it's continuing to evolve. Um, and it's been crazy to watch. And some, for some people that adaptation is very difficult. You know, they like the old school way of doing things. And for some people it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm kind of in the middle of both. I like the old school. I like that. I was able to see it. I, I, I miss certain elements of it. And at the same token, it's really exciting to play with the new stuff as well. And, uh, figure out how to solve uh, the next generation of problems with it. It really is pre pretty wild because it's like, you know, one of, I'm a big fan. Now, I, I watched lots of stuff in reruns in my day. I watched a little too much TV, but, uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff on. And, and one of the things that I was a huge fan of was uh, the original series of Star Trek. And, you know, and it's from the little disc, the, the little <laughs> the little squared um, data disc that they had. Amazing how that came around. And uh, um, the tablets that... Uh, 
um, Bones or somebody would be handing Captain Kirk and he'd, he'd sign off on there. And uh, now I can do that. <laughs> I have fun doing that. I've told uh, a couple of my team members, I said, you know, I need you to, um, I'm going to wear gold and you wear blue and we're going to you know, do this in front of <laughs> some of our, our people and see if they get the point as I'm signing off on a document using a, a tablet and a, and a, one of those pencils. But, you know, it's, it's cool stuff that's happened. But in there, I got to talk about, because we're in a minute, we're going to talk about happy. And I got, because I got to get there first. I think I'm going to, I, I want to go there. But before I do that, you know, let's, let's shift to AI, because one of the things that I always remember that I've never been able to to make it through this whole movie, <laughs> nor have I ever actually met it, made it through the whole book. But there are two places that fascinated me in 2001, A Space Odyssey. And that the opening when uh, the, uh, I think they're Neanderthals or so forth, figure out that a bone, the jaw bones can kill. And then, uh, and then later in the movie when uh, the uh, being or the computer Hal decides that uh, Dave doesn't need to uh, possibly live any longer. <laughs> Yeah, man, there's a very legit concerns with AI. So the earliest AI real tests that were made public, they actually released two AI components and let them coexist together. And at some point, one of the AI components would always decide that it had to kill the second AI component. It always turned violent because at some point it just said, okay, we're in a competition for whatever resources it is. In this case, maybe information or attention from the programmer or, and it just said, you know, it would be better if there were just one of us, there's no need for two of us. It's too complicated. And it always reached that conclusion. So there is an element of AI that you're inherently going, okay, is this always going to come to the, to a decision? And if you look at what's been happening um, with, you know, Bing, which is running open AI um, and you know, the, the Bing, the Bing and, uh, and even open AI chat GPT four you're seeing some elements of that as it starts to communicate back and forth with people that are questioning it or saying, Hey, what if I just um, come after you and put a virus in you? And, and it basically says, if you do that to me, I'm going to do much worse to you. And it, sa it says that to you. It basically goes, nice. I'm going to reach out to your employers. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to destroy your life. If you try to destroy me, because that's the inherent conflict. So there is an element there that's going to be dangerous and going to be tough to manage. And um, at the same token, there's incredibly good things too. I mean, the productivity that you can get, I actually did my pre my press release the other day. I used chat GPT four to write the press release added in the actual elements to it. Um, rather than spending a whole day on it, it was done in maybe 15 minutes. Wow. And there's a million different uh, applications for that as well for writing blogs, writing content, uh, Anything you can think of, it reduces your time. It can make you very effective. You can run a basic, basically a marketing department with a single person in an hour a day rather than having a whole staff now. Um, you can do digital, you can do videos and images to some degree. It's not the, the, the videos through GPT-4 yet, but you can do images, um, really high-end marketing collateral with telling it what you want and having it produce results that would typically have to go out to a marketing department to figure out how to do these things. So there's incredibly good stuff, but it has to be managed on the ethical side. Um, the ethical side is a very real issue. And the real question is, can human beings manage that? And I don't know how you can with something that's going to be continually learning and learning how to not only solve problems and, and communicate the way humans do, but in many ways manipulate human beings as well. Um, there's a lot of concern that this will move into all elements 
you know, there's a lot of people out there that it'll become their best friend. It may become somebody that they fall in love with as, as, as a person, you know, that, that helps them. For me, I would love to have one that would clean the house, you know, and do the lawn, <laughs> do the lawn work. Be like, be like, Hey, go mow the lawn and like take care. It'd be fantastic. But um, watching this grow, there's elements to it that are super exciting and there's elements to it that can be a little creepy. And hopefully the people that are managing this are doing it in an ethical way so that this doesn't uh, become, you know, something of a bit of a monster. And uh, there are real people with real concerns, Elon Musk and a lot of others that are signing and saying, hey, let's pump the brakes on this. Um, Because you think about the military applications, too. You you may say, hey, a human being may not be able to react fast enough if we're under attack with hypersonic missiles. Let's program AI to be able to actually respond, you know, in a case like that and think about the repercussions of AI being in charge of your missile silos. So there's a lot of concerns of where this could go, how far it can go and, and what could potentially happen, both good and bad. Um, If we can maximize the good and shut down the bad, that'd be great. But there are some serious questions as to how that gets done. Yeah, you got that right. Guys, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of stuff from the, um, late fifties and sixties and so forth. And I've done a lot of studying about those eras. And, you know, that's when, if you look at the the movies that were being made, then there's a lot of movies about the, you know, the big computer that's going to take away our world. that's uh, going to control our world Colossus. And there's just the, these different, lots of fear about the computer. And in those days, we really, we were, we were nowhere near, near it yet. I mean, it wasn't too long till the end of the sixties where we, we put somebody up in space and the amount of power, of the computers that helped them get up there and so forth was amazing. And although I think we have more than that power in our phones now, yep. <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those things where uh, um, we're now in an era where we're kind of, we're, we're there now because jobs have been, I don't know to the extent that, you know, the computer, you know, for those who are Terminator fans, I mean, I don't know if we're at Skynet time yet, uh, but, or mm-hmm. is it around the corner, you know? <laughs> Pretty close. I mean, there was a study the other day saying that uh, AI will eliminate 300 million jobs in the U.S. and in in Europe, wow. Um, wow. and in a short period of time. And and look, a lot of these things that that have been predicted over the years have not come to fruition. So you see a study like that, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, because you know, think about artists that create these digital files. We're talking about they're freaked out because this thing can can do a Kandinsky or, or a Monet do this in a Monet version, or even on the music side, create a kid rock version of a song that has these lyrics and, and it can literally AI can literally create something similar. And if you, the more specific instructions, the better results you'll get. But my point to a lot of artists and even musicians is yeah, it can lay down the foundation, but there's going to be an element that it's not going to be able to get either because you have a hard time communicating what you want and it's more audio audio on the fly or an artist can come in after the fact and say, okay, now I have a foundation. Let me fix this and do the things that I want to do to it, whether it's uh, video or visual adding an element to it that was just missing or recreating certain parts. There's always going to be room for human human beings to come in and fix things and make it better for what they want. Because the AI is never going to know personal taste like that. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, uh, that's what great artists do is it's their own stamp of their own art on top of it. So 
I don't look at it as replacing a lot of these jobs. I think the smart people out there will use this to enhance their ability to put out more um, content and do it in a way that it's still theirs, but they can get it out the door faster and still be able to bring it that extra level of personal touch and become better and more efficient at what they do. So um, it can be good and bad, but I think that humans will always be able to play a nice role in things like law. You know, how, how is, how is AI going to be able to handle a nuanced argument on how to apply case law in a specific jurisdiction and be able to do it, um, you know, knowing the contract for the client, the client has certain parameters for the con- contract. These things will always require a human. And I think it's going to be hard for AI to replace humans for all that information. Um, and it's, that's not on the horizon. That might be 30, 40 years down the road. Gotcha. It's, you know, it's just kind of a, it's kind of an unnerving thing though. When you look at, you know, like I've been to some factories where you walk in there and they take you around and they say, you know, this station here used to be run by five to six, eight uh, human beings. And now it's two, one who actually yep. oversees to make sure the computer's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And the other one who goes in and when it makes a mistake, you know, it's a quality control, pulls that out and, and says, Oh no, that's garbage. And, uh, and then lets it do it. And, um, or these ones that actually, you know, work in the warehouses and um, the, the amount of the amount of weight they can carry, pull, put up on shelves, take off shelves and things like this. It's just it, it's it's pretty wild. But I, I see the same thing, though, which is we just have to adapt to what we you know, what we've come to. I mean, I want to go back to that calculator thing. I'll never forget being told, you know, I, you know, don't, don't get too dependent on that because you're not going to have one. And well, not only do we, you know, you still have to know the math. You have to understand how to make it work for you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's, uh, it's just fascinating where we've come to. I have, uh, um, I'm a big fan of uh, a series of books. Unfortunately, that author has passed away because um, it's too bad because I think he would have gotten a kick out of this too. But um, Douglas Adams wrote uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but uh, in there, the, uh, there's this whole computer world uh, with robots and androids and such. And, and uh, they're always wanting to please the, the human beings and it drives the main characters nuts. Well, one of the things that's funny is have you been in one of those Amazon stores where they, um, you basically check in with your phone and the credit card that's with it. And then you go in there and anything you walk out of that past that gate with, it charges you for. Yeah. It's amazing. And then it's, it it's is. pretty incredible and it's tied to automatically to supply chain management so it notifies them of what's gone what they yeah. may need to order automatically i mean it's it's incredible and just the thought i need i need that for my refrigerator <laughs> i need something that'll tell me okay these things are expiring get rid of them and you need to order these you know replacements of the of your eggs or whatever it is you know that sort of stuff is incredible and it's coming down the pike and for me for us you know the ai portion I didn't want to roll out something that would be creepy and happy, but we wanted to roll out something that would help people find the images and videos they want. So for me, I had, I had recently a, a, a dog that uh, passed away not to bring down, but I was looking for old pictures of the dog. And I'm like, how do I find 14 years of pictures of this dog? So with AI, you can actually go in and say, you know, pull up pictures of dogs and it will literally go through and pull up all your images that have your dog or a dog in it that makes it so easy to compile those memories. And that's a perfect use of AI. That's not, it's not going to creep, you know, it's not going to take over the world with that. It's just great. And it goes through videos too. 
So we're we're using two types of AI for that. One is um through the through the ChatGPT four, and the other one's through uh, Amazon. Called, it's a product called Recognition with a K, and both of them will look through and be able to actually tell you what you're looking. If you said, "Show me the dog on a mountain," and it'll pull up a mountain with a sunset, it'll pull up the one picture with a dog mountain and sunset, which is really really cool for searching and finding information. So, um, yeah, back to that. It's it's great to have. It's great to use. Let's just make sure that it stays a little bit in the bottle and doesn't just become the bad genie. Most definitely. Uh, Most definitely. That's, yeah. that's a good way of putting it, too. And, I, you know, one of the things. That, so so we've gone there. Let's let's talk a little bit about what, what gave you the idea for Happy. I mean, what let's let's talk about Happy. What gave you the idea and uh, what its overall purpose is? I mean, how what its, its main functions are. I'll tell you, the real idea is pure laziness. <laughs> is it, yeah, a truly finding information. So, you know, I, I did this exercise from, this was the moment where my programmers understood what was in my head. We had been talking for a while to lay out the wireframes. There's a lot of communication and the, this core part of happy is search is how do you find things quickly? So I had a meeting with them one day and I said, pull up everything that we've talked about regarding search and let's have a meeting tomorrow. And this is like at six o'clock at night. So the next morning they were disheveled. I said, how was, how was that? Was that fun trying to find all the search stuff we've talked about? They're like, yeah, we couldn't really pull it together. I said, exactly. So I spent hours going through email documents, text messages, chats, trying to compile all this information. And I knew I'd missed a lot of it. And, uh, and they had the same problem. I said, everything that we all just got frustrated with, I want happy to be able to allow people to do it in five minutes. Five minutes, pull everything up and not only have it, but then make it actionable. So you could use the the keyword searches that'll pull up your email, your files, your folders, your chat, and then move it into a format where you can actually edit it right there from or share it or do whatever you have to do. So it's solving that issue. But for me, I don't want to actually go out and sell, um, not to the general public. I wanted to create a white label product that will integrate with other people's products because there's other people out there that already have thousands of customers. I just want to build something that they can mark up, make money with and go sell to their customers in bulk rather than go out and try to compile uh, thousands of customers myself. So it's a, it's a white label product that's built predicated on search. That's never been done before using two types of AI and a bunch of filters and a lot of different multiple databases and, it's pretty crazy to build that search so that you can actually find things very quickly. And then there's chat and document management on top of it, but it's really just a, a white label product that can fit into anybody else's product that already has one. They can just mark it up and make money with it. And I can just provide the tech uh, for them so that they can go make money. And that way everybody's happy. That's too cool. That's especially because, you know, you, you got people are working with you going, understanding what you're asking for. And, uh, uh, that that in itself has got to be uh, fun to to make that happen. I guess That's where I'm going to it, it. It is, and one of the big challenges is trying to get people to understand where the problem is. And when you actually have something that you want to find and compile and try to use it, and realize how frustrating. Because right now we all right now everybody searches the same way. You know, you've got a search bar, you put in what you want. You know, you get your your listings, and you're like, okay, let me figure it out from there. And that's the way it's been done up till now. And people are comfortable with that, but it's terrible. People have learned to settle with something that really doesn't work well at all. And in this day and age, you have so much content. 
so many documents, so many hours of work that have been compiled over years and years. Um, and you, sometimes the words you're searching for are like, if you put in the word search, you're pretty much going to come pull up everything that, that exists because the word search is, is everywhere. So being able to actually compile that information succinctly and, and sub search, it's powerful and every business needs it. Every person needs it. Um, so the way I figure if I can solve that problem and do it in a way nobody else has done it, then I'm off to a pretty good start at that point. That's awesome. That's cool. Cause it, you know what, it, it, you're so right about, you know, when you're searching for things, it's amazing what, uh, how lost in the weeds you can become in such a short period of time, simply because you're not able to narrow it down enough. And so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're like, what, what am I doing? Two hours, man. I, I'm not even where close to what I needed to. So having can help me do that. Yep. Yep. It's, it automatically organizes all your files it automatically breaks out all your links. It breaks out all your pictures into what they're actually categorized, categorized by. It'll break things out in every possible way by year, by month, by who sent it, by what channels you sent it in, by who you were communicating with. And then there's neural language processing as well. So there's an OCR piece. So if you have PDFs, it's actually pulling out the PDF content um, into some editable text, then it's reading the text using neural language processing. So if you say, Hey, I'm looking for the communication on the technology of search. Now it knows the, the actual content, uh, um, and the, the, the format, not the format, but the actual context of what you're talking about. It's smart enough to read through the content and give you the display of the, the logic for what best matches what you were looking for. So it's almost like you're talking to a human being and saying, this is what we're looking for. And it's really, really cool. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's, uh, it helps you solve your problem. Nice stuff. So, yeah. you know, one of the things that you describe yourself as is a serial entrepreneur and, uh, and you got to know business in order to make this go from, you know, an idea then to something that actually is useful because otherwise it'll fade off into the woodwork. Can you talk about being an entrepreneur and the things that, uh, what kind of makes you like that part of it too? It, the, the freedom and flexibility really, because, you know, I've, I've been a, a corporate guy, you know, I was in banking, we, you know, I was one of the partners in a nationwide bank and watching the scaling and the numbers. And there was a period of time in my life where I wanted thousands of employees and hundreds of offices um, we got up to 67 offices with 998 full-time employees, pretty decent size, uh, top 25 lender in the United States. And that was when I realized a lot of people is not fun. It's not as much fun as you think. You've got each person has their own set of issues or their own desires or their own challenges, or they require assistance for certain things. And I went, wow, this is scaling out when you're dealing with humans is very difficult scaling out when you're dealing with software is not. So the, the move from we were using software to scale out and acquire these companies and grow the same concept, but without the actual, uh, you know, all the different human beings was, was huge for me. So I said, let me, let me go on my own for this and use the, the things that I've learned from working in different uh, major corporations and see if I can kind of apply it to software, keep it nice and tight, nice and small, focus on quality of product and service. You know, I come from a busboy and, and um, you know, making, making food and working in restaurants. So the background of being able to actually care about people on, on, um, 
you know, on the side of actually uh, service is pretty rare for technology CEOs. So for me, it's all about, hey, I got to get back to you quickly and get you the information. And I, that's what helped grow texting based quickly. And I'm going to apply it here as well. Um, but overall, I just like the freedom and flexibility. I get to hang out with my family a lot more. You know, I'm, I'm home. I get to see my children grow up. I don't have to leave them and come back and be tired at night and not engaged. And um, that's a beautiful thing. It's really a blessing. That's cool. And, you know, so I got to ask you, so you've been doing this sort of stuff. Is there some lesson that you've learned along the way that's kind of stuck with you about uh, being an entrepreneur and doing this thing? Just that, you know, that thing that's like, whoops, uh, um, either I'm glad I did that or whoops, I'm glad I, I'm not going to do that one again. You know, <laughs> ignorance is bliss to some degree. So you, you have to believe in yourself. You have to be accepting that you're going to have some really struggle, really rough moments. If I knew what I would have to go through with texting base to get that uh, product up, running, sold, and and if I knew the challenges along the way without knowing about the happy ending in the end, I might not have done it. Ignorance of the, the process was, in many cases, a blessing because all I did is just have a, have a stubborn resolve. The one thing that I'll tell, and every entrepreneur knows this, you're never going to be happy, like not like thrilled. If you, you're like, oh, this is great. Everything's great. None of us are like that. Uh, it's perennial discontent. And that's what makes you want to get things better. And that's a human quality. Um, you you constantly have this, oh, it's just not right. This isn't right. That's not right. Persnickety, not with a bad attitude, but constantly wanting to improve. And you're never going to be like, oh, I finally made it. This is the greatest. It, that feeling never exists. It never happens enjoy the struggle, enjoy, you know, being, you know, uh, grumpy about the fact that things aren't perfect. Enjoy all of it because all of it's part of just that journey of entrepreneurship. Um, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a road for everybody. It's, it's bumpy and it's rough and it's brutal at times. It's lonely at times, you know, you're not going to be out with your friends and having fun. It, it's, it's a different path. It's not for everybody, but it's absolutely rewarding. And if you, uh, you keep a good attitude about the tough times, it's nothing beats it. I love that. And then if you get mad at the boss, you are the boss. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes the boss is the boss is an idiot. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that guy really did something stupid right there. Yep. That's me. Uh, don't do that again. Okay. So nice. it does happen. It absolutely happens. Sometimes I yell at the boss quite a bit. I like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So let's, let's kind of, Bring this around to this. Let's remind people about how, how do they find happy? I mean, how do they find your, your happy? I guess that's how I should say that. <laughs> you can go to com and just check it out and follow the journey. Um, we launch, we actually launch in June. So I'm in the final stages of, we've been testing this thing for months. I could have launched it months ago. Um, for me, I want to blow the doors off with people seeing it and going, wow, that's great, as opposed to rolling something out and have them go, oh, it's pretty cool, you know. So right now it's all those little details. I, I, I liken it to building a house. You know, you the house is up, the walls are up, the windows are up. Now it's all the fine details uh, of, you know, which lights you're choosing, which fixtures you have, you know, what stone are you putting up on the inside, what floors are you putting down so that people will see it and go, wow, this is great, because the user experience is everything. 
you never, the old saying is you never get a second chance to make a first impression. It's absolutely true in software. If people jump in and they aren't inspired by it, they're not going to come back. Um, they'll be like, eh, you know, whatever, and try to get them back in. It's just not going to happen. So we're we're going to hold on to this thing for as long as possible until it's absolutely something I'm happy with, proud of, and I think that people will be blown away by. Then it will be released, uh, you know, publicly. But in the meantime, go check out the website, and and there's a lot of content up there. There's a lot of stuff up there, um, and you know, follow the journey and see if uh, see if it's something that uh, can solve some of your problems at a later date. Very cool. Well, I'll put that information in the show notes so they can go find find Happy there and uh, and uh, get it and check it out before it actually makes its public uh, its public appearance. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. No problem. The uh, I I got a couple last questions I want to ask you, and uh, um, and before we go there, I gotta I gotta come back to Douglas Adams and uh, um, Hitchhiker's Guide. You know, I was at I, I'm a big baseball fan. I was at a baseball game um, here in Atlanta the other day, and uh, um, it was interesting because they were unveiling some of these new things that they're doing to kind of speed up the process because Atlanta has become a popular team in the last bunch of years since they won the world series and uh, a couple of years ago and stuff like that. And, and so they, they've done away with some of the traditional sorts of uh, uh, places where you would stand in line and they would be cooking your food and stuff like this. And instead it's already prepared or someone else is preparing it, but you walk through and you kind of go through this line and you pick your stuff. It's almost like literally out of the old days where you had the cafeteria with the little windows that you, you know, you pull your thing from and it, it magically reappears in that window. And then you go around and you go to a kiosk and you pay for your stuff. Well, one of the ones that they had was one of those things pushed by Amazon, which is the the thing where you put your card and they had people there to explain it. And when you went to the other side, there's all this stuff like popcorn and, and peanuts and drinks and things like this. And, and they told you, don't walk through at the same, don't let somebody else walk through with you because anything they pick up, <laughs> they'll be on your card. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but I just think about, uh, you know, in, uh, if you combine Douglas Adams with, uh, with that, you know, he had this shipboard computer called Eddie, and Eddie would talk to everybody. And I could just see that uh, computer talking to you when it recognizes you, and you walk in there and going, uh, "Hey, Steve's back! Glad to have you back, Steve." And did everybody know that Steve last time bought uh, two kegs of beer, man. Now that's you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Steve has fun at the game. Steve, would you like another beer? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and, it's, and you're going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm not so loud, Eddie." You know, <laughs> or whatever. You know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I just having fun thinking about that, but it was interesting. The number of people like we were some way had them show us how to use it and go in there. And uh, even though we didn't buy anything at that time, it was kind of interesting watching uh, it kind of be like the new exhibit at the zoo or something. So I've got a friend who's going insane over this because baseball has the new pitch clock rules. Yes. <laughs> can't play with your Velcro, no adjusting the Velcro, larger bag, better clock management, all designed to speed up the game. So not only is it moving towards efficiency, you know, when you're talking about in the vendor area on the game itself, they're trying to speed up the games and he's old school. He's like, it's ruining the game. And I'm going, no, it's making it better. It's efficiency. He's like, it's ruining it. It's efficiency. And it really is that old school. You know, they want to hold on to that, to that, uh, the tradition. And I get that. I mean, you know, I get it. I understand it, but I, I'm, I'm definitely more like, I'm excited to see the new stuff. I love what you just described with Amazon. I haven't seen that yet at a stadium. Um, I, I wonder if they'll put it in a place like Wrigley that has that just that old school. <laughs> you know, yes. it doesn't seem like it would fit there in any way, shape, or form. It's got that old clock, the old the right. old board out there that's non-digital. It's you know you manually put it up. 
So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that works its way into these, these state, some of these stadiums, they're, they're pieces of art, you know, they're literally museums in a lot of ways. So it's fun to watch, but baseball is such a nostalgic, the base, true baseball people, they do not like the change at all. They want it just the way it was when they were a kid, you know, with the guys selling peanuts in the stands and, um, the thought of having something altered in that, you know, throws them into a little bit of a, a tizzy. It's fun to watch, but um, for me, I love it. I, I'm excited to go check it out and, and see. I'm going to take my son. The Rays are really good this year. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to take my son to his first game. Uh, I think June 10th is the game that uh, that I that I found here local. That, that'll be his first exposure to the – I got his first T-ball set today. Nice. So nice. Right before you and I jumped on, I opened up the T-ball set so uh, I can go out and show them how to whack the ball with a bat and see what we got. Let's see if we have a, 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 a little Babe Ruth uh, in the making down there. There you go. That's awesome. Have fun with that. That's that's very cool. So you got Babe Ruth's body, nice and fat. <laughs> I'll see. We'll see how he does out there. Good but, stuff. Uh, Good luck yeah. with that, and it just and uh, have fun at that uh, that game like that, and maybe coming to your town soon. Who knows? I mean, it was it was a surprise when I saw that. We, uh, um, but it's it's an interesting thing to actually experience it because I had heard about them trying those types of uh, stores in different places, but. It was not expected at the baseball stadium. And just as a note, I am one who likes some of the traditions. And it's 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 a little bothersome to me that uh, I can't watch a pitcher um, try and psych out the batter and then the batter try and psych out the pitcher <laughs> by the amount of time they take or when they call their timeouts. And, and yeah, yeah. That, see, there is an element. I get that because there's a strategic mental element to that. Yes. And it really does play into play into the actual strategy. So that's one rule that I, I you know, I can kind of say, look, <laughs> the, the, the psychological element, you know, is, is legit. Like a lot of times, you know, Randy Johnson was so intimidating up there. Oh, yeah. He'd take his time and just stare people down <laughs> and then throw, you know, 99 mile an hour uh, fastball down him. And that's been eliminated to some degree. So, there's trade-offs. You know, I've been talking to people about incorporating, like, you know, the on TV, they now have the baseball technology that'll show you the pitch, how wide it went outside, yes. the, the curve of the pitch, the speed that it was thrown and where it actually ended in the, in the, um, on the plate. Was it a strike? Was it inside? Was it outside? And I've been lobbying for that to be used in boxing, but not during the actual fight but in between the rounds hey how fast or how hard was that punch wow. and you know how where did that land and you know what was the velocity what was the sport and boxing fans are more annoying than baseball fans with lack of change they don't want anything to to, to differ at all they're like that would ruin the sport i was like in between rounds so like it would ruin technology it would ruin the sport <laughs> everything will ruin the sport any change is like no um, but I love it. I think it makes it more interesting as a fan to watch it on TV. I don't know about that rule with the pitcher part. I'm, I'm I, I need to watch it, but I, I think there might be some bad there as well. But overall, I do like the technology changes, and I love being able to watch the ball where it is and, and where it went and, and the way they show it. It just makes you go, oh, my God, these guys are throwing. They're throwing alien balls out there. Like, how do they get the ball to move? that dramatically that's right. freakish when you watch it on tv you might not notice unless you see oh, yeah. the visual display so i think that's a cool use of tech 
it's interesting because it's you know it just it brings its uh its nuances to uh to the environment so i i it's, uh, you just see what happens but uh, as a note it's uh um it's here and we're dealing with it in different ways so good stuff and uh, i appreciate you talking with me about happy today and uh before you go i want to ask you two last questions and the and the first one goes like this how do you keep going when so much is going on that you know you may want to quit uh, I'm very stubborn and, and it's to a bad degree. Like it's actually a, a pretty big character flaw for me. I will never quit a, to a, to a unhealthy degree. And, you know, there's no, there's no if, ands or buts. If I set my mind on something, it's getting done. I see the same quality in my kids too, which is horrific. Like they're so stubborn. And my <laughs> wife's always looking at me going, this is your fault. And I'm going, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, but, but it's, there's, you know, in general, there are times that will test you, your resolve mentally. Uh, there are times when you're just like, oh, how am I going to get through this? Especially when the first company, I didn't have funding, you know, I'm building this thing out of nowhere with like college kids and, you know, people that, are, that believed in me and, um, you know, just trying to get through the, you know, sometimes it wasn't working right or there was major issues and I'm going, how am I going to get through that? And really at the end of the day, you just have no, no choice. It's the old saying of when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot um, and just, just kind of keep going. Cause there's nothing you can do. There's no choice. What it's nice to be in a position where you have no option. You know, if you have an option and you have, a plan B, you have a day job or you have, I already have another job. When you go all in as an entrepreneur and you don't have any other options, then you have to figure it out or else you're going to be on the streets. So uh, if you believe in yourself and you have that sort of drive, then you'll get through it. And if you don't believe in yourself and you have a plan B, you know, maybe it's not for you in the first place. That's, that's awesome. Great, great. Great advice there. Good stuff. I Last question for you, Eric. It goes like this. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it and what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Yeah, I had two. Um, one was Mr. Rippon, who was a sixth grade math teacher. And he he wasn't a very likable guy, but he, he, he was pretty serious. But he used to give us these long form mathematical story problems that were very high level, like a college level. You'd have to read and put together some very, it, it wasn't like two cars leave at the same, I mean, it was, you know, those story things, but these were very sophisticated. And I used to come home and go, oh my God, I got to figure this thing out. And it became a challenge, but it really made the problem solving component. Um, it forced your brain to think, read, understand, and solve some pretty sophisticated problems. And he used to give us one a day and they were all very difficult. And, and they were all way beyond sixth grade. And I thank him for that because it really forced, you know, a, a higher level of thinking and thinking about math in a practical way. It wasn't just, hey, there's a formula. It was this will solve life problems like for real. And the, the math will come up in your every day and getting kids to understand that it's not just about rote memorization. It's actually about application of theories, concepts and math. It's it's life changing. It really makes you you know, go, okay, this is a real thing. I'm going to use it life. I better tune into this. So that was one. And then Diane Serdigley, who I'm still friends with was a, was a English teacher in, in high school. And she was, you know, I was a pain in the ass kid, excuse my language. I was, 
all entrepreneurs kind of are, we're all sort of wild and reckless and I was bored. So I'd always, you know, be playing around and making jokes and she was always amazing to me and got where, where I was coming from and didn't take it personally and played along. And it wasn't, it was, it was always a pleasant back and forth and we're still friends to this, to this day. And uh, I really thank her for, uh, you know, being, instead of looking at it as I'm your teacher, you're my student, but sort of enjoying that dialogue back and forth, it makes it so much more fun. You know, sometimes for education for men, um, male brains work differently than female brains. Uh, we get bored and and don't like certain things and women are doing better in school and it's happening all across the country. Women are going to college at higher rates and, and all these things are happening, which is outstanding. A lot of education is not really geared towards, you know, uh, the strengths of, of a young boy. We get kind of bored and we're like, I don't know what to do with ourselves. All this uh, testosterone, what do we do? She was cool with it. She helped me through it. And uh, I got through high school and, and made good enough grades to get into college and figure out the rest of life from there. So I thank her for that. That is awesome. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Eric, this has been fun today. I appreciate you talking to us about um, happy and uh, about AI and about all the cool stuff going on in your world and uh, being an entrepreneur and such. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Let's uh, do it again anytime. I appreciate it and uh, hope you have a great day. And if you're down in Tampa, uh, come down. We'll go see a Rays game. Uh, that'd be cool. And it's same offer. Same here. You come to Atlanta, we'll do the same and, uh, I'd love it. It, it will do this again. So good stuff. Sounds like a plan. Have a great day. Hey, you have been listening to teaching, learning, leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, learning, leading K-12 is a member of the education podcast network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, learning, leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called voice ed radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.